This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's get into our conversation. Margaret Victor is a retired judge. Ntabi Singh Dubazana is a practicing attorney of the High Court. And we are speaking about the women legal practitioners. They are commemorating the centenary of the Women Legal Practice Act of 1923. And it highlighted the journeys of women who were not allowed to work in the legal field until 100 years ago. Margaret, good evening to you. Ntabi saying good evening. Good evening. Good evening, Sehu, and good evening to your listeners. Margaret, I'd like to start with you because you're a retired judge. Um, share with us how many years were you in the legal fraternity? I was uh, in the legal fraternity for 40 years. Um, sure. it, it, it's been a long journey and um, it's quite constructive to look back to see how uh, the, the profession has changed. Um, but there are still many barriers for women. Mm. Uh, Perhaps, perhaps I should just um, give a painful backstory to the women uh, who tried to become lawyers before 1923. Mm-hmm. And in this regard, there's uh, Sonia Sleshen. She tried in 1909. She was uh, working for Mahatma Gandhi. And he suggested to her that she should uh, become an attorney and she should register her articles. Well, the court refused her then because they said that a person, you had to be a fit and proper person to practice as a lawyer, and they said that a person does not include a woman. Then another woman, Madeleine Wookie, tried in 1912 uh, to register her articles, and she was successful in the Cape Court um, before Judge Marsdorp. But then they took the case, the Incorporated Law Society took the case on appeal and uh, she lost the case Mm. and she even had to pay the costs. But there again, uh, the court said, there were three men in the court and they said that um, uh, men have practiced for 400 years and no women have practiced in that time and therefore, uh, you know, the profession isn't suitable for women. Sure. And then... Uh, then the other judge, there was a three bench, um, uh, uh, three judges on the bench, mm. and the Villiers JP said that um, there are a number of categories of people who cannot be lawyers. They include boys under the age of 17 years, uh, the deaf, the blind, women, and uh, people who did not uh, follow the Christian faith. But then he went on to say, he said those restrictions are now obsolete. They don't apply. But insofar as it concerns women, uh, those that restriction still applies. So mm-hmm. that was the painful story behind the backstory behind the Women Legal Practice Act. Mm-hmm. And no sooner did uh, Madeleine Wookie lose her case than um, it took some years for Parliament then to introduce the Women's Legal Practice Act that you've referred to. It's just amazing like what you've just spoke about now it's so shocking because you know you mentioned that they said that no woman can be a a a, a lawyer so it was yes, just not, you, a person. not a person yes can be a, mm. i mean so a woman is not a person <laughs> yes that's, that's technically what they were saying 
Yes, yes. And that's how they saw it. Ntabi saying, let me bring you in here. I mean, you hear what Margaret speaks about um, Mm. and how these women were oppressed and unable to join the legal fraternity. And you you hear her also mention that there were barriers for women. And I think those barriers are still there, Ntabi saying. I agree fully. There are still very serious barriers for women. Yes, there's been um, a large transformation, not large particularly, but I guess compared to the past, it is a little bit significant um, in, in the sense that the bench has changed a lot more women than there used to be. Um, but there's not a lot more women of color, in fact, uh, black women to be precise, which mm. is, you know, uh, something that stands out. Um, as a black practicing attorney uh, and one that appears has a right of appearance in the high court, the things that we have to deal with still a hundred years later are still so much more uh, mm. significant. They're still hurtful and they're mm. still very um, undermining. If I'm not mistaken, the first woman um, who was black to get admitted or into the legal uh, profession was in 1963. So it's not that long ago that we were able to uh, or we were allowed to come into the fraternity and and be able to practice. I can give you an example. Just two weeks ago, um, I had to appear in in, in a magistrate's court and in order I made it was in a criminal court. And in order to make representations for a matter, the senior public prosecutor, they he wanted a bribe and a bribe in kind because I'm a woman. Excuse me? So this is the things that we deal with as women. And as, and as soon as you walk into a courtroom, it doesn't matter who's sitting on the bench. It may be a female, it may be male, but when you walk in as a black woman, it seems it is automatically assumed you have no knowledge or clear understanding of the law. And the person that then speaks to you, speaks down to you in front of mm. the gallery, mm. full of people, intentionally so. And then when you, in, when you inform them you know, in as much of a respectful way as you possibly can mm. at that moment, you know, and you, they realize you actually do know the law, and then they condescend you towards the end saying, well, ma'am, thank you so much for your insights into the law. These are the things that, at least as a black female in this profession, that I deal with. But other than that, um, I think it is a profession worthy of being in. I, I believe that the changes that have come as a result of women being in the profession are quite significant. Um, I believe that there has been a realization that women can do more than just be in the kitchen and bear children. And also when you read the judgments of our of our female um, presiding officers there, they actually do strike a chord and some have made significant changes in our laws. And, and for that, we are very grateful. Now, Ntabi saying, I mean, how do they... How do you handle these kind of situations? A person wanting you to thank him in kind, a person saying thank you for your insights, but you are a qualified attorney. You know, it's not an insight. You studied for you to be where you are. How do you handle such, you know, situations in your workplace? I mean, it is not easy. I am... (laughs) 
I'm a hothead. I, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I, I would prefer to respond immediately. It has lear- I have learned to be patient. I have learned to absorb it. It is not always great. Um, this, this past week, like the, the examples I'm talking about are things that happened years ago. I'm talking about things that are happening now. Mm. I got a, a, a correspondence from a, a male attorney um, that I'm going against in one matter. And in one of the sentences that he said in the emails that as an esteemed, the esteemed is in quotes, as an esteemed colleague, you ought to know what the rules of the court are. Mind mm-hmm. you, he mm-hmm. misquoted the entire directives of what that presiding <laughs> officer wanted in his in, in, in his courtroom and he misunderstood that completely. And um I responded because now it's not in court. <laughs> then I, I responded the him. way that I would, you know, <laughs> if it were not in court. Yeah. And those are things that I would choose rather not to deal with. I don't want to be putting myself in a level whereby I get so upset by a man who tells me how it is that I'm supposed to do my job. Mm. And and it is also unfortunate that other female, and and I am sorry to do say this, but other female practitioners who are not black also talk down to you as if you don't understand the law and they are here to educate you and you need to follow them in what they do. I have a matter actually that is coming on the 22nd of May, where I'm dealing with such a practitioner. But you take it in stride, and then you try so hard to swallow your words so that you're not held in contempt of court for now, you know, mm. with a legal practitioner, and then they hold you in contempt of court and you find yourself sitting in the cells because you rub somebody up the wrong way. It is mm. really not easy, <laughs> but we try our best. We try our best. Margaret, yes, can go I ahead. come in here? Mm. I understand in Tabi Singh's despondency and the barriers that uh, women legal practitioners are still facing. And, um, you know, as we've faced each challenge in the past, uh, so in Tabi Singh, I hope with time we will overcome this uh, sexual attitude towards women, mm. Um, mm. The, you know, the sexual abuse and so on. But I want to give a, 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 there is another side to all this. And if we look back on this 100-year journey, we think of women, phenomenal women, black women who have made massive strides. And in this regard, I'm thinking of the head of the tribunal of the SIU. The, uh, uh, the, the, the tribunal is Judge Lebo Madibe. I mean, she started off and she's told the story to many people and it's so motivational. She arrived at WITS as just after she'd completed her grade 12. She'd grown up in Alex and uh, Tembisa. She arrived there with 10 rand and she spoke her way. She hadn't applied. She spoke her way into the law course. And she went on finally to get a master's from Harvard University in the USA. And today she's a senior judge, and it's a wonderful success story. She took all, and Tabi Singh, she took all that discrimination and all those hurdles in her stride. We also think of other women, like uh, Judge Lucy Mailula. She was the first woman, uh, black woman, to be admitted to the Johannesburg bench. We also think of uh, Judge Tokazile Masipa. She and I 
and I'm going to go on to Judge Mine. <laughs> and Judge Masipa, you know, she returned it when we. Oh, yes. And she said, you know, uh, a person's not born with a statute in your head. And that is why she believed that women could do so well because you can read a statute and you can be as uh, a competent uh, as uh, Ndavi Singh has been saying. And then, of course, we've got lots of other phenomenal women, Yvonne Mahoro, Basin Kabir, oh, yes. and yes. and now and and Justice Cece Kempepi, Justice Leona Teron, and now we have a, a, a Deputy Chief Justice Mandisa Maya. Isn't that wonderful? You know, so Ndavi Singh, I understand mm. your despondency, but you know, we have to look forward because we, as women, can make a difference. Mm. Mm. And you know, Margaret, I'm glad that you mentioned the judges. You know that we have um, the black judges also that we have mm. in the South African courts. I mean, you hear Ntab saying and how she's despondent about the way that you know they are spoke. She is spoken to as a black mm. female. Mm. Um, what was your experience, right, as a judge in the courtroom when you had to deal with situations like that? If you were sitting in that chair and you were able to see that the one white lawyer or attorney is speaking down to a black attorney, how, how were you able to maneuver those kind of situations, but also to try and grow the, 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 the legal um, fraternity? Yes. Uh, I must tell you that um, I was very firm in my court and Mm. if there was any uh, talking down to a colleague or using aggressive language, uh, I would always call them to book and then I would uh, also make sure that there is a learning experience in whatever, uh, you know, I asked for moderate language, for moderate attitudes. Um, You know, it's so easy for counsel in court to lose their tempers. And then, um, you know, if necessary, uh, you know, I would be very firm and and just say that that's not the kind of conduct in my court. Mm, and there's... Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, you know, this is this is where I believe in Tabi Singh is sufficient and many, many other lawyers. We have to be assertive and we have to... Uh, place the boundaries in place and Ntabi Singh was able to do that in the response mm. email to <laughs> her male colleague and I'm sure she was equally firm to, to that male prosecutor mm. but we have, to, we have to climb we just have these mountains to climb and as we've done in the past we'll continue to overcome the barriers mm. Ntabi Singh what needs to happen? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's still quite a largely male-based um, profession, yeah. right? What needs to happen for us to see more women in the benches, more women represent being attorneys, being advocates? I mean, the other day I was covering a story, twice actually, where I saw a, a white female judge and then I saw a white, a black magistrate and it warmed my heart so much, a black female magistrate, and it warmed my heart so much to see women being able to, you know, give out those kind of judgments or be being able to sit in that chair and so confidently at that. But what needs to happen for the gaps to be closed where it's still so male-dominated, um, but women are, of course, making their way into there as well? 
I think um, we have, they have, as in male, males, they have 400 years on us. That is a very huge gap to try and, and, and fill in. Mm. We've only been in this for 100 years. And it may seem like it's a lot, but it really isn't. And as a result, um, I think we need to find um, our feet in it. And, and what I mean by that is that the hurdles that are thrown at us as females, it tends to make you want to throw in the towel and say, I will not go beyond this because this is a lot. It is too much. I cannot handle it. And the more of us that do that and we end up either being consultants or being legal advisors and not actually going on the route of litigation, wherein whatever arguments we place before any presiding officer have the likelihood of changing any aspect of the law, then we don't have a foot in the door wherein some change can be made. Mm. So like um, uh, former judge, I think it's Mayor Margaret, just said right now that we, we, we need to continue with what our, our, former, our predecessors did from 1923 to date, mm. that everything that was thrown in their faces, they took it. You go home and you have yourself a good cry and then tomorrow you get up and you work. Mm. It is really, this profession I always say, to anybody who wants to to come in. And I've recently just um, hired a new lady to be a candidate attorney. She's 25 years old in my firm. Mm. And I said to her, I'm like, do not come into this profession for the money, for whatever the case may be. You cannot be, in my humble opinion, you cannot be in this profession if you don't love it because it will Mm. throw itself at you so much that it will not be worth it, at least in your mind, to wake up the next day and keep fighting. And for me, in my firm, I tend lately to be representing men in children's matters, in divorces, and all of that. And the perception that is currently out there, the GBV that is currently going on, obviously there is an automatic bias against men when you go into a courtroom. So if you're a female fighting for a man, it is an even harder mountain to climb. So imagine those odds, but if you don't um, wake up the next day and continue fighting, you will not be able to uh, make a name for you, make a change for the people that you're helping. You know, there's nothing more fulfilling when somebody walks out of a consultation, just a mere consultation introducing the matter to you, and you give them what the law is and what the chances are, especially if you're going to read on recent case law. May Margaret was talking about how she was firm in her court. There's actually a judgment that came about, I think, two, three weeks ago, wherein a presiding officer was also giving the handing down judgment, wherein an attorney was so horrible to a presiding officer mainly like what she said that uh, Margaret said that attorneys and advocates get so worked up in court and then Mm. they lose their temper and blah 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 so when you have such knowledge that is readily available and you're able to give your client that confidence that you're going to try your best to make it better and then when they leave and then they say thank you I feel so much better that for me always works it gives me the courage to go okay now I really have to prove my worth Mm. I think that is what we need to do. I don't know. I could be very wrong, but that is what I believe we need to do. Judge Margaret, share with us a bit of your journey um, leading up to where you were when you retired as a judge, but also the journey of you being a woman in this very profession. Yes. Uh, 
You know, it's been 40 years, as I said, and uh, you may be amused to know that when I started as an article clerk 40 years ago, uh, legal typists were still using carbon paper and tipping to, <laughs> <laughs> to correct mistakes. And then, of course, came the photocopy machines. And guess who had to do the photocopying? It was oh. the female article mm-hmm. clerk. So that was the beginning of my journey. And uh, then I went to the bar. I was at the, uh, an advocate for 25 years. And, of course, when I got there, I was the sixth woman. I was one of six women at the bar. And uh, it was a large bar even then. And, of course, we, all we had to do was uh, matrimonial work. And we never got commercial work. And we had to, you know, take one step at a time. And um, even to this day, there are skewed briefing patterns. Yes. And I think and Tabi Singh can, can really confirm that. And until those skewed uh, briefing patterns are, uh, you know, neutralized, um, I think it's going to be a difficult journey. But anyway, my journey, um, you know, whatever brief I, I, I received, I um, did it to the best of my ability. I did it with excellence. And, of course, I also did a lot of work for women who'd been abused, uh, women who needed free legal advice, uh, uh, who had problems with uh, their children and husbands and so on. So I did a lot of pro- what I call pro-amico work as well. And then came the uh, treason trial days, and I was able then to do some treason trial work, and that took me out of the matrimonial sphere. And I worked very hard during the treason trial days. And uh, I must say I was briefed by Priscilla Jana and uh, Ilona Tip, and they briefed me equally. And then um, with time, I also did environmental law work. And then my admiration for two women, who, uh, two black women who had a wonderful, successful commercial practice, and that is uh, Kathleen Matolo-Lepu and now Justice Daisy Molefi. They had a wonderful commercial practice. They fought for it and they women counsel and I was the recipient of their briefs. And until women uh, take it upon themselves to bring about changes um, in these skewed briefing patterns, I think we, you know, we will uh, still have to struggle for many years. But I, I, can I also add mm. that I think Minister Lamola, our Minister of Justice, he is also trying very hard to eliminate the barriers for women. But unfortunately, I still see the briefs that go to women are those of um, matters involve, uh, you know, police damages, parcel work, and and road accident fund matters. You know, we don't see enough women in the very important commercial or administrative law or constitutional law cases. But I must say, we, you know, it is changing. We've got Advocate Ceci Beloy SC, mm. um, you know, who does a lot of very senior work. Um, we've also got Advocate Michelle Leroux, who's uh, an ex-SC, who's a, an, an expert in competition law. But there are not enough women in those specialist 
uh, fields of law. We've also got Ms. Tumela Mashabela, a patent attorney, and many other women, but it's a very difficult field. And um, But I am encouraged by the fact that, um, you know, at the end of my 40-year career, uh, I see more women judges. We've got 250 women judges, and I got the yes. statistics today. 45% of those 250 judges are women. So it's changing rapidly, but it's also changing because of the mindset of our Chief Justice Zondo, our Judge President Mlambo, our Deputies Judge President Ladwaba mm. and Sutherland. You know, there's that will to change things, and that's why we see more women on the bench, and it's very encouraging. And on the bench in Tavisingh, you will never see women judges relegated to the easier uh, court. Uh, they get yeah. the heavy loads like everybody else, and mm. uh, that is very encouraging, and that's the leadership, you know, from the, the, the bench. Mm. And then, uh, sorry, if I could just finish off no with this, to say that um, we also are very encouraged that there are now, there's an effort to put uh, women as judges president um, of the various courts mm. in KwaZulu-Natal. We've got oh. a women judge president, we've got an acting women judge president in the Western Cape. And so it goes on. But change is slow and not fast enough. Mm. I mean, you hear Ntabi saying, you know, the journey that Judge Margaret had to walk. Um, do you find yourself in similar shoes somewhat? Well, carbon paper is no longer there. <laughs> 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 but other than that, you know, um, I, I, I recall when I did my, my articles, I think I was lucky enough, I did my articles with Legal Aid, and in legal aid, there's no that you're a woman or whatever. They mm. give you 70 files. You have to run with it. And um, there is no training, so to speak. Um, you train on the job because there really is no time. Mm. So for that, I, I was blessed in order to, to get my feet, not even feet wet. I was just thrown in the pool and I had to learn how to swim. And I was fortunate that the, my presiding officer in, in the Randbeck Magistrate's Court at the time was a um, female, a white female lady. Unfortunately, I forget her surname. One of the most wonderful women ever. So I went to go introduce myself to her and I informed her, ma'am, I am fresh from varsity. I don't even know how I'm supposed to call you. I don't know if you're, you are your honor. I, I, I was very genuine. I don't know what to say to you. Mm. I don't know when to stand up. I don't know. I don't know anything. She laughed at me, of course. And then she informed me, she's like, don't worry, I will guide you to the best of my ability so that the gallery doesn't see that you don't know anything. Mm. And then, you know, we'll slowly take it on from there. And then I spoke to um, the, the court clerk, um, the, the stenographer, the court orderly, the interpreter, and the, the prosecutor, and I informed them exactly the same thing. And after they laughed at me, what they did for me for two weeks 
was that every time I'm supposed to stand up and respond to whatever was said to me by the uh, magistrate or by the prosecutor, there were these little white papers, the printing papers, we call them P24s. They would write on them and they were like cue cards. And then they would stand up and write what it is I'm supposed to say. So for me, I was grateful that that journey for me was made a little bit easier. The change came or the shock rather came when I went into into corporate, when I went to be a legal advisor while I was still finishing off my, my board exams. I hadn't been admitted. Mm. And then you realize exactly what Mayor Margaret was saying, that as a woman, um, you are given the... In, in quotes, the non-important jobs, you are the relegated copy copy girl, you're making calls for this, that, and the other. I remember sitting and trying to get the attention of the CEO that because I had gone to the office and said, I am bored. I need something to keep my mind active. And I was just kind of put aside. So what I did is that I went onto their internet and I watched uh, what's this? Grey's Anatomy from season one all the way to season 12 every day and nothing came of it. Nobody sure. was complaining that I am wasting data and, and all of that. That's when I realized I need I need to get myself out of this situation mm-hmm. if I want to practice, if I want to know the law, if I want to do the things that I would like to see in the law. I have to get up and do this for myself. And that started my journey of opening my firm, firm and all of those things and here we are sure judge margaret were there any i mean you both speak about the non-important jobs right and then you get to you move up the ladder so to speak were you ever attacked for a judgment that you made and attacked purely because you're a woman not that the judgment was wrong but that you're a woman um I, I don't think so. You know, as a judge, you always expect that, you know, your judgment may be appealed. Um, and I suppose there have been times when very senior male uh, counsel have appeared before me and, you know, were a little condescending uh, mm-hmm. towards me. And, um, you know, but in my judgment, I spoke, to, you know, other than calling them to book in the court itself, uh, my judgments, uh, I try to, you know, have judgments of excellence so that they wouldn't take me on appeal simply because of a woman or thinking that, you know, a woman doesn't know about commercial matters. Hmm. So, you know, that that to me was, was important to speak through my judgments. But as I, you know, as I see a wonderful trait in, in Tabasing, I see that she looks for solutions. I saw, you know, I hear her saying that when she was at the Randburg Court as a, as a, a baby junior, she created <laughs> a community. She created a community around herself who would give her cue cards. And you know what, and Tabby's saying, I think that's what we have to do as, as women in the legal profession. We have to create our own community. Uh, we have to have this collegiality amongst women and not to have the unfortunate uh, experience that you had. And, they, uh, you know, if I could just mention, mm. there are these organizations like WARZA. WARZA is a women's organization that recognizes women who have achieved in their field. They have annual WARZA awards. 
and that includes achievements uh, of women in other African countries. So it's a wonderful pan-African opportunity to recognize women, black women in law, uh, not only black women, but all women in law who have achieved. Then we have Sola, who also has played a tremendous role in uh, promoting uh, women within the uh, legal profession. And in this regard, we all, we have Nomaswazi Shabangu Mdao, and that's in Sola. They've done a tremendous amount of work. Uh, we have the BLA that are also focusing on, on uh, briefing patterns, equitable briefing patterns. Now, Dell, the bars are addressing, there's a, a transformation, but as Ntabi Singh says, that the transformation on gender issues hasn't gone far enough. Hmm. And Ntabi Singh, you know, you mentioned that you always say to the, you know, the, the young women that go into the profession that there must be a reason that they go into it. In the work that you've done so far um, as a practicing attorney, have you seen some of these young women step back and actually you know, not be part of the legal fraternity anymore because of the challenges that they face as women? Way too many, and it's, it's mm-hmm. very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because like Mayor Margaret says, we need a lot of women to keep fighting the good fight. That is what we need in order to make the kinds of strides that we make. But with the kinds of challenges that we are talking about, these are the things that are, you know, on the tip of the iceberg. It's not doesn't go as deep as the things that you do encounter. Like May Margaret has also said, the briefing um, kind of situations, even for us as attorneys, when clients come to you, they'd rather come to a female attorney in order to deal with family-related matters mm. and all mm. of those things because maybe a woman is perhaps more nurturing or more understanding. I don't know what the thinking is behind that. But when it comes to businesses coming to brief you, it is so far and few in between. And as a result, if you want to brief counsel, that you don't have commercial matters who can you know, take it on and no male counsel will accept briefs for family matters very rarely because for them in quotes is boring, you know, they'd rather do commercial and all of those things. So when you are faced with that kind of um, deeper adversity, um, besides the things that you meet in the match court and, you know, the condescending comments or uh, being slapped on the butt when you're walking down the passages. Like, mm-hmm. the list is mm-hmm. so endless of the things that still happen to to females. And then, you know, police officers wanting to grope you when you... It's, it's a mess. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, if I were to go into detail of the things that we experience, like, in the lower courts, and it, it, it is... It doesn't change even in the higher courts when you want to go file your papers. If the register of the court is mailed, they want you to flirt first. And then it's never a situation that you Mm -hmm. actually go to court and you're able to file and you go home. And there has to be something that has to be done first. It is being a decent human being and greeting, having a conversation is one thing. And then there's the whole other platform that exists a part of that. So when somebody is fresh, like my new CA who's coming in, and then now they have to go through that. Not all of them have the um, strength to deal with that going forward and develop the kind of thick skin that you need to have 
in this profession, the kind of thick skin you need to have when you're being you're near being uh, mishandled by a client or mistreated by a client, and then further on as you go on, it, it, that's the t- tough part about it. But we need so many more to just you know fight the good fight so that we can make it to the benches, and when we make it to the benches, we make it with proper knowledge and insight of the law. So mm. that when we do make the kinds of the decisions and judgments mm. that women Margaret have made in the past and women Maya have done and all of them have done in the past, that they're not looked down upon because you are female. Mm. Rather, it be a situation that maybe you misunderstood the law. I don't know anything of the sort. But we need more of us to. Keep fighting and make such a huge um, dent in this profession, but it mm. will take some time. Judge Margaret, I mean, you keep fighting as women in the profession, you know, to make sure that they, they, you are seen. Really, that's that's I think yes, what you are fighting yes. for at most. So, how then do you think the law can be used to advance the course of justice for women? Well. Um, you know, there have been very important judgments by, by women judges and, and magistrates advancing women's rights. For example, on the question of intersectionality, you might remember that domestic workers who are mainly mm. black women mm. uh, could not um, get a damages award if they were injured on duty. And in the case of Sylvia Mashangu, that went to the Constitutional Court, she'd been a domestic worker with the family for many years, and she was cleaning an outside window, and um, she fell into the swimming pool and drowned, and there was no compensation uh, for her family. And what had happened is the Quida Act, which deals with compensation, is specifically excluded women, uh, domestic workers. Now, you know, the the jurisprudence, it's very important for the jurisprudence to also address uh, those painful issues for women. So Mm. what is coming to our jurisprudence now is the question of intersectionality. One looks at, 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 at a legal problem and one sees that there are things like race, sex, uh, social status, education, they intersect and make the burden harder for the person who's, who's um, experiencing the discrimination. But it is heartening that, you know, that the jurisprudence is actually changing and it's been driven by women, women from the legal uh, women's center, for example, they are bringing these cases to court. And then hopefully the synergy between this uh, community of women, women judges, women uh, litigants, um, that that will bring about change and and hopefully equality, ultimately Mm. equality, which we haven't reached yet. And Tabi saying you agree with the judge? I do wholeheartedly. Mm. I I don't even have anything else to (laughs) add. It's, it's, It's very prudent and important that we do what like we are saying, be recognized, be be seen, and and as such, be seen for what we are worth. That what the work we put in is worth everything, as our male counterparts' um, work is. You know, it is it is absolutely important, and we hope that as we go forward, 
um, we are able to see more and more uh, females keep going up this, this uh, ladder and being able to make the kinds of changes that are needed for women um, because we're still, like I said, on, on the back foot when it comes to recognition. So it needs us to keep you know, running this marathon as fast as we can and understanding that each step that we make, each stride that we take is of significance for, for women. Mm. Judge Margaret, if I mean you were in the you know, you, you, you were in the legal space for forty years, if you could say something to your younger self, the one that was just getting into the profession, what would you say? I think I would say to be more assertive um, as a woman, uh, you know, it's so easy, particularly for a woman of, of my generation, is that when you're assertive, uh, in earlier days, an assertive woman was always regarded as an aggressive woman. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, there was that switch off, uh, that off, uh, switch off. But, um, you know, I, I think that women lawyers in society play a, a very important role and currently, I see women lawyers as critical thinkers. And, um, you know, if I'd perhaps been more assertive in my critical thinking uh, at an earlier age, you know, before, certainly uh, when I say earlier age, you know, earlier in my profession, in my uh, career, mm. uh, it, it would perhaps have been easier. But what I see in young women now, young women lawyers, I see critical thinking. They analyze the facts, the evidence, the observations, and um, they put it across in rational and uh, in a rational evaluative way. So, you know, I, I think that what I would say to myself is don't hide your talents. You know, put them out there. Uh, put your Put your analysis, your 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 uh, project, your intellectual uh, prowess out there. Don't be scared to do that. Mm. And Tabi saying, you know, you mentioned some instances where you were treated a certain way, spoken to a certain way, because you're a woman. Were you able to report any of these instances? Do you do you report them? We do. Uh, most of us we do, uh, but it usually falls on deaf ears. Um, you know. At the end of the day, let's say you report a police officer. Um, I paid in order for them to investigate one of their own. They're not going to do that. Um, there's a, okay, this incident has nothing to do with my profession, but it's one of the reasons when I was in my first year, I want to give you an example of what happened. Mm. In my first year studying um, my LLB at Fitz, Walking home from school with my female friends, there was some kind of raid with the police officers and they were raiding some club or whatever. And then um, as we were walking past, they then decided to manhandle us. Three young girls, 18 years, 19 Mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. They decided to manhandle us, the cops. They decided to manhandle us. And as such, um, for whatever reason, they decided to zone in on me. And when they did, on my... On my left arm, you know, when a child is born, at least in South Africa, you get your injections on your upper mm. upper arm on mm. the left. So I was born in Lesotho. 
So I was right at the beneath, like on the forearm here, and then they saw that, and then they started slapping me around because they wanted me to show them my ID, my my all these things, and yet you I know I had acquired citizenship. Yeah, so I acquired citizenship in South Africa early on through my mom and domicilium. Back then, you could do that. So I told them I don't have the thing that they have. I have an ID, and I left it at at, at my room, and I opened a case. And, you know, to this day, as I speak to you, nothing has happened. Mm. That has formed the trajectory of what happens when you do lay a charge mm. or open a case. The investigation is, in quotes, open and nothing really happens about it. So it's now a matter of trying to swallow it in order for you to get where you want to get. Mm. As long as this is now the unfortunate part that um, we're in um, abuse, so to speak, if not literally speaking, comes in. As long as they don't cross a certain barrier, I can handle this enough in order for me to conclude my matter, in order for me to to enable my client to win this case or to get this case going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, sure. And finally then, um, to you both, ladies, this profession... Um, is it for women? I'm from sh- definitely it is. <laughs> but um, would you? How would you describe it for those that are going to definitely be walking into it for the very first time um, come next year? Ntabi Sen, let's start with you. I love what I do. I love my profession with all of my heart. I mean, I will wake up and breathe and live law. That's how much I love my profession and Mm. I've loved it for a very long time. And the more I practice and the more I learn and the more judgments that come out that change whatever that was there in the past in order to make it better for the future makes my job a lot more easier going forward. So my advice for any woman that wants to come and join in, please have an open mind. Please have an understanding of basic human uh, nature. Be be human enough to interact with your clients in order for them to, to understand what it is that they're going to go through in this journey that they're coming to you with because we tend to legally use a situation with our clients mm. and then they don't understand what is happening and they feel like, they are being belittled or they are not being part of their own journey. So that is a skill, a very critical skill that I had to learn when I was doing my articles with legal aid because most people who came to legal aid have no education, most of them, and no understanding of the law. So you had to break it down to such a minimalistic situation so they understand what it is that is happening and that they can also interpret the situation for themselves. And that made it easier for the matter to proceed. Mm-hmm. So that is what I would say. Make Have a love for the law, mm-hmm. have a passion for it, and have the basic, basic human natures uh, or, or habits in order to interact with people. It will make your life so much more easier. And Judge Margaret, briefly for us. I would say that um, young women entering the legal profession, it's a wonderful opportunity to bring about change. Uh, not only change at a social level, but at a legal, jurisprudential level, and to strive for excellence. No matter what the brief is, um, you know, strive for excellence and just bear in mind that there will be ups and downs, but uh, you will dismantle 
you know, the new generation of, of, of young women entering into the profession, they've got wonderful opportunity to continue dismantling kind of discrimination mm. that both Singh and I have spoken about this evening. It's a wonderful challenge for a young woman to enter the profession. Retired Judge Margaret Victor, Practicing Attorney of the High Court, and Tavise Dubazana, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank, thank you, you for having us. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.